What's going on? It's Chris, the Dating Doc. This entire podcast episode is all about men and heartbreak, how to deal with it, and how men together can deal with it. Stay tuned. Well, so, wow. This one's going to be a different one. Uh, the fact we're talking about heartbreak when it comes to men. And uh, first off, okay, first off, huge disclaimer, whatever you want to call it. Uh, nothing has happened. You know, there's not a recent breakup. Um, I have been single since uh, late May, early June. So this was a topic that just came to mind. You know, I don't want to think, ooh, what happened here? What's going on? Um, I'm very passionate passionate about what I do. What the heck is passion a bit? Very passionate about what I do. And at times a topic or a theme may come in my head, whether it's through YouTube, whether it's podcasts you're listening to right now, or even a lesson or a metaphor I'm using with a client. And the way I express it may come off like, oh my gosh, this might have just happened, but this is not circumstantial. I want to talk about heartbreak when it comes to men, especially in the regard to the happily ever after. And what does that mean? What does that mean for a child growing up? What does it mean for a teenager when his uh, libido and dopamines, you know, through the roof? What happens to college age guy who now enters the real world? And thinks, you know what? Cool. Finally, I can I can have my wife and my my house, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then, what about the post-divorcee or the the widow who loses a partner that meant something to them? And all those experiences in between, you know, how, how does that shape a man into uh, into what they become? Whether that's good, bad, good, bad, or ugly, better or worst off. And, and I think that's you know the the difference. Um, there's a different approach where I feel like us men, and I'm going to go into a lot of generalities here and personal experiences. A lot, a lot of men, we internalize this experience of heartbreak. And it's something that we normally are not used to having our social circle to talk about heartbreak unless it deals with therapy, religion, and select family. It is very hard to get a group of guys to truly, truly talk about heartbreak unless it involves alcohol and distractions, right? Because it's a scary place for men, for, for men to congregate and to talk about that. And, you know, I'm hoping that this could influence or could drive the narrative that, hey, it doesn't have to be a scary place. We go into war. For those that don't know, I am an army officer, 17 years strong. We go to war. We fight. Most boxers, most professional MMA fighters are men. But yet when it comes to feelings and emotions and heartbreak, we do not know how to navigate that at all. So hopefully as you hear this. What I, you know, my goal, if, if, if it was my utopian goal, would be that that for any man who's hearing this, be there for, for a fellow friend or a family member, uh, a, a male family member. I'm obviously, this is very niche to, to men, this podcast episode. Reach out and, and just be like, dude, are, are you okay? Right? And if you say, 
you know, let, let's go out for drinks. Do not make drinks or getting drunk the basis of it. Um, I understand. I get it. It's one of those things where you want to flood your brain with serotonin to hide the fact that there's a lot of um, depression going on there. And then what you do is the next day, since you depleted your serotonin, you've actually have gone into deeper depression. This is for the person that's going through the heartbreak. But just truly be there for the person, you know, one or two drinks and then just talk about it. Find ways you can relate, provide a little bit of advice and the power of the hug. Regardless, regardless if you're heterosexual or homosexual, okay, the power of a platonic hug between men to men is powerful. And it should not be something that you have to wait until a tragedy hits. You should not have to hug a bro just because they've lost someone. We see that a lot in the military where we have a fallen soldier and then all of a sudden everyone cares about hugging each other. Proactive hugs. I think are very, very powerful. Um, and then just, again, reaching out. Okay, got it. It takes about five or 10 minutes of your time and a little bit of energy expense. But we do need to get back to uh, to truly reaching out to each other and being there for one each other. Uh, because it's not a competition, but women do have that advantage. They do know how to congregate. They have less shame when it comes to expressing their feelings. At worst, you have that one friend who wants to take advantage of that shame and embarrass their friend later on or feel that it's a competition or, again, another at worst example is that they almost feel happy that their friend is sad because, again, their friend either had this great man that they didn't have and all of a sudden now they've broken up and there's almost this sense of, uh, ha ha ha, that's good, they're not together anymore. But at, at best, women are very much there for each other. Uh, they are the type that can be in a messy bun and leggings and watch some, you know, rom-com while they're drinking wine and talking about and navigating things in a healthy way. So again, I, I'm almost, almost beating the horse to death here, but men, yes, we, we need to, we need to get to the point where we can navigate the boxing ring and the battlefield as much as we can emotions and heartbreak. So this next section here, I'm going to go into some examples of my own life and uh, how that made me feel. Hopefully you can relate to it. Stay tuned. So instead of going in chronological order here when it comes to to breakup, I, I'm I'm going to go in the order of things that are very pronounced that just stick to my head that really had an impact on me. And what I'll start off with is I came back from deployment around May of 2018 and um, I was in a funk. I'll be honest, I was already in a little bit of a burnout. Just uh, I really worked my ass off during deployment. I get home at about 730. Well, home was again my my little barracks, the little, as they call, containerized housing units, basically a trailer. And uh, I was just burned out when I came back to Texas. And it was one of those things where I decided to get a dog. Originally got it for my daughter and my dog was a literal lifesaver because all of a sudden now I had to get up off the couch, get up off my bed to feed my dog. 
I only had enough dopamine to get me through work and emergencies. So when I took my mask off, my work mask off, I was depleted, but my dog was the one that kept me, kept me going. Um, even to the point where this business, uh, the, the whole dating doc concept was pretty much ran by my social media manager. That's how withdrawn I was. But getting back to topic, I would go to the dog park and I met this, you know, beautiful woman. Actually, my dog went up and started sniffing her and I said, okay, well, you know, what's going on? Uh, play is going to play. I actually already had a date lined up with another woman that night, but I really enjoyed this woman I met at the dog park. So I told her I was very straight up. And if she's listening, she can tell you all this. I said, hey, look, I actually got a date lined up, but I want to see you after. I was very straight up and it happened. We ended up dating for, um, we only dated for two months. Okay. But I really thought she was, she was real cool. Um, you know, I'm talking, you know, white girl who had a thing for reggaeton. I'm Puerto Rican. I love my reggaeton. So it's like, well, what, what the heck's going on here? Uh, very stoic, quiet type. And, and I like that. She had this like humble pride about her. She just maneuvered her way the right way. Um, she'd asked about investments, which I thought that was very sound, very wise of her. She was, um, younger than me. I believe it's about 10 years now <laughs> difference. Hey, I maintain, I maintain, but, um, lo and behold, it was one of those things where the warning signs at the beginning was the fact that she was worried about me having a child. And, um, you know, I disarmed her and I told her, Hey, look, you know, let's just focus on each other right now. You know, things don't work out. They didn't work out, but, and, uh, to make a long story short, we uh, we broke it off at the t- two month mark because she says, "Hey, look, I just can't deal with this thing. You know, you having a child." Now I'm gonna tell you nine times out of ten, I'm like, "Cool, whatever." I move around, keep on going with life. It did hit me hard. I- I'll admit, it hit me really hard. Um, it was one of those things where I remember weeks later, I was asleep. I- I'm knocked out of sleep. And I would wake up in, in almost a slight panic attack because it hit me so hard. I didn't realize that it hit me so hard. I would wake up because um, I was at the point where I was like, man, this is a girl I can kick it with. I can really be myself. And she's, you know, really feeling like cool. Um, verbatim, she even said, you know, I've never met a guy who made me feel sexier. And I, I appreciated that. Um I wasn't going through one-itis. Okay, I had, I had another woman that was trying to get my attention, especially coming back from deployment. A woman from the past. Uh, I do get attention just based on conversational topics, looks alone. Could be when I'm in uniform. Combination of all that. The fact that I'm an active listener. The fact that I'm not out here begging for no one's attention or validation. So, you know, that whole energy, I get attention. But with her, it was... It was uh, as I call it, the divine energy, regardless of religion. But that hit me really, really hard. It hit me real hard. Um, took me a couple months, I believe, to, to you know, I, I started getting back into the gym. And uh, I started refocusing, doing a lot of what what is perspective shifting, which I talked to a lot of clients about. 
and just looking at the other side of the house, you know, hey, what if I married this woman all of a sudden she doesn't like being a stepmom? Or what if there were things that I didn't know about this woman yet that would have made me turn off to her, right? So uh, that really helped, you know. Um, the hardest kind of therapy is self-therapy because you're the one proofreading your own report and you might miss out on those, you know, grammar spelling checks if you want to use that metaphor, I'm having to heal myself. I'm having to do my own therapy that I, the things that clients apply to their life, it's a little bit harder when it's you because you have to empower and convince yourself. So you are both your your best coach and your, your best distraction and detractor. So it was a process there. Uh, so yeah, that was 2018. The next one was my college sweetheart. And same thing at that time, I'll be honest, uh, clothing wise, status wise, I felt like she was she was a little bit out of my league. I didn't tell her that I didn't publicly mention it, but I did feel like, man, OK, this woman's got it going on. I mean, you know, looks like a borderline model and good family. I got, you know, I got to meet the family. They took me in. I actually met her. Because, uh, unfortunately, her, her brother passed away and they named an award after him. And at that time, I was a cadet at Texas A&M. And so I, I get to meet the, the sister. You know, I get to meet the whole family because they, they presented the award to me. And I got to meet her. And I was like, man, okay, she, she's stunning, first off. And then just that little glitch in a matrix, the fact that I'm getting the award named after her brother. And I'm like, man, okay, I want to, I want to talk to her. Uh, we dated for three and a half years. And it was one of those things where, again, this is eons ago before blue pill, red pill, all that jazz. I was like enamored, enamored. I would drive from College Station, Texas to San Antonio. That took about three, three and a half hours on a weekday to go see her and then drive back the next morning, like at four in the morning so I can make it to work. Crazy stuff. But again, I had that fire in me, that thing people call love. I had that like where my total mission, my purpose, my my everything was like, man, OK, this woman. Right. So. Um, by the time. Let me see. I graduate college and I start off as a lieutenant in the army. And, um, you know, I'm just like, man, OK, I'm, I'm hearing less from her. Like, well, what's going on here? So I'm going to tell you straight up. My, this, this was a little cray of me. Um, back then, back then, this is wild. I'm going to put you on game here. I don't I don't think it's it's legal anymore. But Intellius, this website called Intellius, I still remember it to this day. You could punch in someone's number on this website. You had to pay for it and you can get their call records because I just thought something was off. Right. And again, I make no I would never do anything stupid like that nowadays. But, you know, we're young and dumb. And I was like, come on now. What was going on? And I just you would not only get their call record. But back then when texting was still kind of it's in its infancy, I'm talking like 2003, 2004. Um you could see the quantity of text messages. So you would see the phone number and then the quantity. And I was like, dang, okay, what was going on here? And um, 
I contacted the numbers. Lo and behold, she had two other guys. She had two other guys. Um, so I was crushed. Now, what was crazy about this, one of them guys was was wild. Okay. I, I believe to this day, because her dog went missing, I believe to this day that dude did it. That dude did it. He he found out basically, you know, she was playing all of us. And um, boom, you know, it's like dogs missing. What could she do? You know, she player got caught. Um, I'm gonna tell you this. I think the second that yeah went off to the army, that's when the fooling around started because uh, there was a little space for it. Um, she was honest with me in between, you know, in between me going off to the army, she would say, yeah, I get attention, this and that, blah, blah, blah. You would have got a kick out of the personal trainer hitting on me and all that because I wasn't jealous. I was like, cool. I think once I went to the army, she knew I was far, far away. Temptation, all that jazz. Um, that one got me. Again, had no one really to talk about, talk to about that. But it became one of these moments where I got into like discovering new artists that was all about heartbreak. I'm talking like your Johnny Cash, uh, this artist named Draco Rosa. You know, really started getting into his stuff. Sade, Sade, Sade. Um, really started getting into her stuff. So that was like an opportunity of me using that heartbreak to really find new music. And I got into martial arts during that time. Actually, martial arts was a huge, huge distractor. It was like putting coal on the train. That's what got the momentum going. Uh, but yeah, th those those two really stick out. Uh, and, and it was heartbreak that really left like an impact on how do I treat women now? And guess what the next little bit's going to be called? How do I treat women now after breakup? So how do I treat women now? I'm going to tell you what. I am so blessed that I'm 40 years old and not 27 going on these two breakups that I, that I talked about. Actually, you know, I, I don't want to go through all my breakups or anything. That, that would have made for a long episode. But again, I am so blessed that I'm 40. I still have the zest for life. Still feel young. You know, I'm, I'm not on that beer belly, uh, you know, just burned out of life. On my upside, upside down on my mortgage, second divorce, none of that. I'm very blessed that I, I keep myself healthy mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically. And on top of that, the last but certainly not least is the fact that I'm a father. I'm a father. So am I going to be a bastard and be like, you know what? I'm going to treat women any old kind of way, but then I'm going to teach my, I'm going to teach my daughter something else. I'm going to be a different kind of example. Meanwhile, I'm treating women this way. No. Does that mean I got to be a weak ass? Does that mean that all of a sudden now I got I to kiss women's ass? Heck no. But doesn't mean I got to be I gotta be a jerk or I got to pretend to be a jerk to get their attention. So I've established these clear boundaries while at the same time still being very loving. And what I mean by loving is with anyone, anyone, don't matter if it's the... Uh, 
the lady at the grocery store who's pushing 70. It don't matter if, if, if you know, if it's a group of kids passing by with their parents inside that same grocery store and I'm just smiling, you know, hey, how y'all doing? What ends up happening is that heartbreak can create these douchebags of life, okay? Or for some people, red pill rage. And, and that's sad. That's sad when men can't bounce back. Okay, I'm not, I'm not even going to ostracize them or anything. But just know that th- this is a man who hasn't bounced back. The type who's who's like, all women are the same, but I want a companion. Or, you know, I want me a woman who's a little sexually uh, liberated, but I don't like these OnlyFans Instagram girls. It's like, come on now, make, make, make sense. Treat, please try to make this make sense to me. I do advocate that men like that do try to find happiness overall, holistically. Do not make this just about women and dating. Uh, heartbreaks suck. Okay, heartbreaks can can emasculate us, can make us feel less less than. Heartbreaks can also be an opportunity for growth. You know, when I I, I love hearing these sports stories of like a undefeated champion who all of a sudden loses. And then they become a legend and and they beat people that were unbeatable. You would never expect them to, you know, like Muhammad Ali, the fact that through his losses, he became a legend. Now, granted, we got examples like Mayweather, who's never lost. But the bottom line is you make adjustments, whether you tangibly lose, like you got a loss on your record or you know you took too many hits, even if Mayweather's undefeated, he understood he had to make adjustments. So you can either do two things. You can either make adjustments and be a better person, or you can be stuck in this mentality of, it's the boxing ring, it's the referee, it's the opponent's gloves, it's not me. And again, as you know, what I'm going at is self-accountability. So, two sides to the coin with, with this with this entire episode that I'm doing. Men, you need to be able to talk to your friends. This is where true friendship comes in. Not just this wingman, drunken, let's watch sports. No. Truly be there for your friend and proactively be there for your friend. Do not wait when tragedy strikes. Okay? Shout out to any movement that's preventing 22-a-day veterans that are unfortunately taking themselves off this earth, okay? So going back to that, we have one side of it where I'm really pushing for men to be able to just talk to each other, be like, hey, dude, are you good? Yeah, man, matter of fact, I had this story, that story. Uh, It's up to you, man. If you want to stay with her, if you feel like things don't work out, hey, man, hug it out, cool, whatever. Boom, nothing wrong with that. Or help a man... Find purpose. Have a project you two can do, can do together. Rebuild an engine, okay? If you want to spar, even though you're not, you, you don't hate each other, but you want to spar, help help take that energy out. If you want to write some rhymes, write, write poetry. Well, I mean, whatever. If you want to build a model plane together, find ways to be there for each other because women got us on that. Okay, they got us on that. And, and again, beautiful woman, I appreciate y'all for appreciating each other. Okay, not, not the snotty, gossipy ones. I'm talking the ones that really appreciate each other. 
And then the other side of that is men. You have a choice through heartbreak. You're going to either be like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to be a player for life and, and, and I'm going to use this pain and I'm just, I'm just going to use it as revenge forever. No, like you're going to leave a, a you're going to leave hell behind you. Okay, you're going to leave a trail of fire and destruction. And then you're just creating other, you, all you did was spawn female versions of you women that are like i don't care about falling in love anymore i'm gonna now i'm gonna play men i'm gonna i'm gonna take advantage of them i'm gonna have a kid with them and, and you know use them for the money and all that so be don't be a cancer don't be a virus be a productive positivity multiplier okay you can treat women well without being a dweeb Okay, and and if they don't appreciate that, you move around. You still have your boundaries, your self-respect. Okay, you don't have to go on YouTube and oh man, that fresh and fraud—they really know what they're talking about. But then they're so emotional. Come on now. So, hopefully you enjoyed this podcast episode. Please visit me at the Dating Doc on Instagram, the Dating Doc on YouTube. Just let me know you've heard this. Just seriously, if you've made it this far, I would love to hear from you. Um, just to meet you. I, I want to see a face to a name. And um, I, I would love that. And um, it means a lot for me to do this podcast. Okay. It is a passion project. My entire venture is. So knowing that you are listening and I can see who you are, who you are is the ultimate compliment. And all it takes is time, no money involved. This is Chris and Dating Dog signing out. Peace.